0: It's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are foggy. I understand.
1: Come
2: on, take it quickly, Yes, big match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get by the way. Sorry. Hello and welcome to episode 197 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. We've got a big episode today. Hopefully, the amount I'll be talking won't put anyone off because we do have a lot of facts to get into. So I've got my research all set. We've got a big week of news of the week. I'll say now, if uh, anyone has more time this week, if you go back, we dropped three movie madness episodes last week. We had... An interview with a stuntman, Drew Leary. We had The Raid against The Dark Knight. And we had an interview with Mark Helfrich talking good luck, Chuck, and his time direct, uh, editing sorry, Predator, Rambo, and many other films. TK and Alex, I'll ask you now before I forget. We've got to switch around here so we don't ask Jack instead. This week we have, or well, this Friday... Mad Max against Bad Boys 2, which would be your uh, preference there? You
1: going first, TK, or...?
3: You can go if you want, mate.
1: I'm going to go in Mad Max. I do not rate the Bad Boys films at all. I fell asleep in the first one.
2: Jesus. I think, uh, judging by what I seem to have picked up, you might not want to listen to Friday's episode because I don't think many share your sentiments on Mad Max there. Um, Mad Max. We are talking about
1: the one with Tom Hardy in. Yeah, yeah. It is that is on another level entirely? We're talking bad boys. Bad boys is like at best League One. Mad Max is top tier Premier League, top six. You, you oh, hate six. Michael That's Bay, an though, interesting
0: don't you? Take.
2: He hates. He hates Michael Bay. Nah, it's not. But.
1: It's not just that. I think Mad Max Fury Road. It was like exceptional, unique for what it was, and just an absolute thrill wow. ride from start to finish.
2: Alex, tune. Make sure you tune in Friday because. uh going to be unique. It's
3: a reboot. Wow. No, unique, the
1: unique you. in the way, unique in the execution of it, the way it was filmed, and the premise of it is unique. It's that old. The original's that old that most people, when it came out, had no idea what it was.
2: Well, TK, I'm assuming you're the opposite to Alex.
3: Yeah, bubbles too got my vote.
2: All right. Well, news of the week then. We do have plenty to get into. So to kick us off, baby shark kids song played on loop by guards to bully jail inmates.
1: Oh, that's psychological <laughs> warfare. So, so quite that?
2: literally, they've had to come out and um, the guards in question have been uh, released from their jobs. Because they were playing the song for upwards of three hours at a time to <laughs> torture the misbehaving inmates.
1: I've All got right. a confession. I've got a confession. I just said that psychological warfare, and it's worse. But I've just kind of realised that that's exactly what I'm doing with the storman at work at the moment. Every time I with walk the into the with the storman at work, guy who is in the warehouse, I've got a bit of a, a banterous affair with him at the moment, where banterous. I. I uh, I, uh, I, it, it, I change his music constantly to something along the lines of either e- the Spice Girls or on Friday's Rebecca Black Friday. But now, <laughs> today, I've started him on I Would Walk 500 Miles on a 10-hour loop.
3: That's a lot of the proclaimers, that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if I
1: go missing, if I go missing, it was the Stormen.
2: well man dies after being run over by his own truck when he fell out of it so good we've got some quite bleak
0: news today actually Um, yeah that's not very uplifting is it
2: employee accused of stealing at least 1.3 million in printer toner from austin public library and reselling online
0: that's a lot of toner (laughs) how
3: long were they doing this
0: for
2: (laughs) i don't know we've got a long one here um Security flaw left smart chastity sex toy users at risk of permanent lock-in. Hackers could lock a penis down permanently and require heavy-duty heavy bolt cutters for release. Women were buying the device to control untrustworthy boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so you best behave yourself, Alex.
3: <laughs> what the nutter? That's just like a physical metaphor for marriage, to be honest.
2: I hope you don't need heavy-duty bolt cutters to get out of that and one man suing because he's been permanently scarred.
3: That is essentially what a divorce is. (laughs) Um,
2: Someone just bought a T-Rex skeleton for a record-breaking $31.8 million. Uh, The Yakuza have been officially banned from giving kids Halloween candy by the Japanese government.
3: (laughs)
1: You just can't have any fun anymore.
2: <laughs> um, Hyderabad student dies in go-karting accident after her hair gets entangled in the tyres. Oh, Jesus. That's like Final that's, Destination that's business.
0: just to the world right <laughs> out when that
2: um, Fake eggs fitted with GPS trackers. Fake eggs fitted with a GPS tracker for sea turtle traffickers uncovering a 137-kilometre-long illegal trade chain. I don't know I that was. That's a lot um,
3: to take in, Matt. I'm...
2: Yeah. Cow-hugging is the world's new wellness trend. Obviously, they don't listen to the podcast because they know how dangerous cows can be.
3: <laughs> She's Tennessee... generation has gone. used to be cow tipping. Now we're, <laughs> yeah. now we're hugging them. <laughs> Tennessee
2: man trying to resurrect grandmother caused $30,000 in damaged cemetery, cops say.
0: That is some ritual.
2: Uh, a man fell to his death while taking pictures on a cliff in Arizona authorities discovered other remains while recovering his body priest recorded having group sex on altar of Pearl River Church police say three were arrested two suspects were arrested on dueling charges after a cowboy style shootout at a Walmart
0: (laughs) nice I like I like the idea that someone's thrown down the gauntlet.
2: There. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff called uh, him in. It <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't. Neither of them actually made contact with each other, which is why they were released with no charges. So, <laughs> West Virginia woman pleaded guilty to killing her boyfriend so she could marry her father. Wow. Got a lot of death this week.
0: I, um, I wonder how you get. Off a charge by admitting that you killed someone,
2: it doesn't say she got <laughs> she she pled guilty, so she didn't uh, marry behind bars,
0: right? Right, right,
2: yeah. Why did she she didn't really have to mention the incest, did she? <laughs> <laughs> um, detective dies after being stung more than 40 times by a swarm of hornets.
0: <laughs> oh. nasty no, nope. way to go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: An Anglo-Saxon girl had her nose and lips cut off as a punishment, Skull shows.
3: I
0: was going to say, how recent is this? Yeah, I think it, it, who gets
3: described as
0: Anglo-Saxon? Many, yeah. How many Anglo-Saxons are there left? Are we them?
2: Uh, boy who's eaten nothing but sausages his whole life has been cured. the <laughs> <laughs> first um so they cured him actually by hypnosis and they said that they realized that he'd been fully cured when um he started eating fish because they said that's quite the leap from just sausages so uh that's how they realized
0: he's been cured cured meat
2: <laughs> um oh jesus woman stripes plane while skydiving
0: <laughs> that's so unlucky that reminds me yeah. of like there's Unlucky Brian memes from like yeah. way back when.
2: And you may have seen this story this week. Um, Donald Trump reportedly planned to rip open his shirt to reveal Superman logo after discharge from hospital. He was advised by government officials that this wouldn't play well with the public.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was going to oh, act my... frail, buckle over, and then rip open his shirt to have the Superman one underneath.
0: Like a Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka style Which, yeah. somersault. Would
3: have been I, sensational. I think he's been badly advised. There. I think yeah.
0: That would have yeah. Been
3: incredible.
0: I think that's one of he the other have... things that could have made him look better.
3: Yeah.
0: Isn't it crazy as well that we don't even have to debate whether this is true or not? Like just yeah, assume I, that I it said is.
2: this to Keane and he has said, is it true? And I said, you're the first person I think that actually asked that because everyone else just assumes <laughs> this, this is quite a normal thing for him.
3: <laughs> yeah. To come part par for
2: the course he went out of his way to go on a radio show yesterday and call LeBron a loser after he uh, <laughs> won the championship so no holds barred so that is our news of the week for this week a lot to get into we've uh, had a lot of death but the cows have taken a turn dueling is back and uh, a boy is no longer just eating sausages so there we go and if your bird comes in with a new gadget Alex, don't trust it
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway we've got some more bleak news to get into with the Premier League more specifically so we've got two sections here Premier League going on pay-per-view and Project Big Picture so I've got some reading to do so we can keep everyone informed it will be one of them where if I kind of give the points I'll we'll react as we go through so And then we'll have a larger discussion at the end. So if we start with the Premier League on pay-per-view, for the first time since 2007, when Sky Sports' Prem Plus channel was disbanded, football fans in the UK will have to use a pay-per-view service to be able to watch certain Premier League games on TV from this weekend. On Friday, they announced the matches in October, which have not already been selected for live coverage, will be available to watch via the BT Sport box office or Sky Sports box office platforms at a controversial £14.95 per game. That's the bit that seems to have really caught people, isn't it? Indeed.
0: Um, I I think it's the fact that you're going to be expecting a weekly occurrence to be the same price as, say, a big bill in the UFC.
2: So they they say... um, A solution for screening the matches had to be found after the planned return of fans from October the first was scrapped by the British government. Um, The Premier League said these were interim arrangements, but they were roundly criticised by supporters. Obviously, Um, the Football Supporters Association has uh, welcomed the decision to broadcast the matches, but BT Sport and Sky Sports to reconsider their pricing. So we know that it wasn't a unanimous decision. Only one club actually spoke out officially with that being Leicester Um, The Athletic has reported that other clubs also voiced their objections but then voted to support the plan anyway So (laughs) 19 to 1 it was Susan Whelan, the Leicester City Chief Executive is said to have spoken passionately against the proposals a man who can't keep his name out of the news uh, Manchester United Chief Executive Ed Woodward also argued against the plan and others declared their own reservations, particularly around the logistics of how to deal with season ticket holders. I know Arsenal, um, United, and plenty of other teams have charged their supporters for their season tickets and aren't refunding them. So the, the way around it was going to be that these clubs were going to try and find a way to broadcast the games themselves. But with this happening, there's no way for Arsenal to say we'll cover the pay-per-view costs of all of them, or at least they haven't said that or United or a lot of the other top clubs. I think only Liverpool Villa. I'm going to say, I don't believe Spurs. There was another one of the the top six teams, I think who didn't take money for season tickets, but I think I have that later down. Um, Essentially the absence of supporters is continuing to leave clubs with a shortfall in revenue And they say there's been a collective desire to start clawing some of the money back. Uh, Rob Webster, the Sky Sports managing director said, Premier League has come to this decision with its clubs to provide a service for supporters who are no longer able to attend and to generate match day revenue. We're happy to support them with this interim solution. I'm sure he (laughs) hissed. Clubs across the Premier League are known to have been taken aback by the ferocity of the reaction to the announcement. um, And, one of the uh, a source told The Athletic after the meeting if you ask 20 millionaires to go into a room and decide what 15 pounds means, this is what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it says, say, it's yeah. failed, it's failed the Netflix test. One game is more than a monthly Netflix subscription.
0: I think yeah. that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, what they would have been better off doing is creating like a Premier League on-demand platform like
2: netflix well i've got some more info on that so i can tell you why they haven't done that but yeah I know. in yeah. terms of why other clubs are said to have spoken out against it but only leicester voted they say premier league votes are like being in the prime minister's cabinet it's seen as an act of betrayal and often futile to vote against the majority when you know you don't have the numbers to win when asked why the 14.95 fee um which is 50 percent up on what uh they take for EFL games and that kind of thing, where it's £10 if your League Cup game isn't broadcast on TV, and you can only watch that on the uh, Carabao website. So they argue the production's quality of service, the uh, increased quality of commentary, and multiple camera angles and analysis makes it a superior package to what's offered in the EFL. They also note that the pay-per-view price is, is also less than major boxing bouts which typically cost between twenty and twenty-five pound.
0: Again, it's the frequency, though, isn't it? So you're going to have yeah. a big boxing belt that everyone's going to save up for or look towards, and it's like once a year, once it's, every
2: six it's months. Often not worth the money, but
0: <laughs> well, exactly. So you're also not charging.
2: This yeah, for about four of them a weekend is the
0: yeah.
2: is the point. Yeah. So they say. I think it was a Spurs spokesman who came out and said, the price of 14 95 a game is too high. Uh, the Premier League argued that they didn't decide the pricing, by the way. Um, and because it's too high, it can have damaging effects, not just on an individual's finances at a time when money are stretched. It will encourage the use of illegal streams, therefore diverting money from the game, and it will encourage people to gather in households and pubs to watch games together.
0: they have been, uh. been better off. Charging it at the same price as what now TV is for a game. Yeah. Because well, for anything under £10, you can kind of think, well, OK, fair enough, I'd spend that down the pub um, watching it anyway. But the problem is, with £15 a go, if your team, say, for example, like a Chelsea game or a Liverpool game or a United game, they're usually the main picks for being on a televised game anyway.
2: Well, but it's this gonna... is something that's been brought up because Sky have been asked. They've well, essentially had it presented to them saying, what's to stop when the next round of uh, like fixture selections comes around? But they don't happen to choose <clears throat> Burnley Villa to be their TV slot while Arsenal-Chelsea happens to be in the pay-per-view uh, allotment. Mm-hmm. So they say... Sky and BT are willing to facilitate these broadcasts, but they also have their own products to protect. They'll continue picking the most attractive fixtures to satisfy their own customers in these financially challenging times, meaning the division's less popular clubs are more likely to have to shell out more regularly to watch their team on TV. Yeah, The Premier League were asked why they didn't make the decision to kind of host the games themselves, and they said they preferred to broadcast with Sky Sports and BT box office Um and that could mean the money raised will be placed in a central pot and distributed among the 20 clubs. But that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, Sky Sports and BT plan to use their own pool of commentators and pundits. They'll only cover their broadcast costs and they won't make any profit from the pay-per-view games, is what they say.
0: I, I can kind of believe it because we live in what, a capitalist country. It, everything needs money to work. I think it's just the price...
2: Well, they were essentially asked, saying, and I think a lot of people alluded to it, saying, look, people have been saying it for years. I know that Simon Jordan was on Talksport recently saying it's the future. Why don't you just make your own Netflix service and have every game on here you pay a tenner a month and you'll make more money than you would probably in doing this one game at a time because you'll have everyone on board if it was £10 for all of the non-televised games, whereas one-off, everyone is just going to illegally stream it. So... They were asked that, and they said they tried this with iFollow, I I believe it's called, for um, lower league teams. And they say there's some issues with that. So the Premier League basically don't want any extra flack with having to deal with this. So they're passing the buck essentially and saying that it's not worth it for them, pretty much. Yeah. So they say they'd rather just offload it. to, To be fair, setting
1: up a streaming service to... like cover all of the well setting up a streaming service like we know with like we've got with Netflix and all of the providers at the moment that's no easy feat to set up in the space of a year that's like that takes years of planning to set up something like that with that's a reliable service that people are willing to pay for so it may be if it is the future then it's something that may unless it was something that was already in the works then you probably won't see anything like that for at least a few like a year i suppose a lot of things are accelerated now anyway but
2: you've got um, things like and prime think it, and things like that can cover things fine so all you need to do is add an extra channel put like premier league tv on your skybox and do it that way you don't need to host an internet connection but, or anything like that just put it a, well, a month
1: yeah but what you've got to remember is so say if you put it under the amazon bracket that means that your, no, I'm not put, saying to your, put it on the Amazon bracket. No, I'm no, no, saying. but you're using it as an example to like use their yeah, platform yeah, so. to branch out from. But then what you're going to have is they're going to be, the providers are going to be rubbing their hands together because there's going to be a bidding war and that takes time. So, you know, you, you, if that lands up, if that something like that landed anything like, and landed under, say, Amazon or Netflix, it would be pretty decisive in terms of a massive profit to control that area of the market effectively.
3: So yeah, it's I'm, like I'm anything, that. all
1: of this takes time because there's so much money involved. It's you know it's going to be time, but like moving I'm away not, from
2: that, I've gone. The Premier League already broadcast all of these to foreign countries, so they're already set up with the infrastructure there. They literally just need to enable that broadcast to be on TV over here because anyone who is seen in a, a legal stream, myself not being one of them, <laughs> you get the likes of. Lee Dixon, Richard Keyes, Andy Gray, all of them doing those games anyway. So they're already being covered. You just need to put that broadcast on over here.
1: Yeah, but there's different. There's going to be different contracts and various oh, things. Yeah. In
2: that's going to if dictate they want it. to do it that badly, they shouldn't have come out like this charging the 15 quid. They should have no,
1: kept no. it free until
2: think, they had a more reasonable solution. Seen...
1: I haven't seen many people justifying it, and like, but I have seen the old food person saying, "Oh, it's fifteen quid." You know, you spend twice, you think, you know, it costs twice that to go and uh, get a like watch the Man City play at the Etihad, and it's like they're using that comparison of it's that much cheaper than an actual ticket to go and watch the game. It's a completely different experience. I just yeah, you, would, you wouldn't make pay half comparison.
2: the price to go on to go to Alton Towers as you would to sit at home and watch it on your TV with other people exactly. going around. Exactly,
1: I can't understand how anybody's <laughs> coming up with that justification. That is,
3: that is the interested equivalent to draw. Um, I'm fully behind your argument, I'm not quite sure I see that analogy. But I'll go well, my,
2: my point is that going to the game is an experience as much as it is watching the game, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Partly agree.
2: So, I don't think anyone's really in agreement. Part of me thinks they've come out with the 15 pounds, so when they reduce it to a tenner, then it seems so much more reasonable all of a sudden. I, I, I
1: think even cheap. I think a third of what they put it on I think a third of what they put it on for four ninety nine a game and you start to make it a bit fairer. I guess the Premier League
2: are probably happy because not the Premier League, the Premier League teams. Because they're gonna get more money out of it and they're taking none of the flak because everyone's so outraged as soon as they see that the Premier League are the ones that did the pricing. It's, it's taken so much off their backs that they're going to get the money out of it, and everyone's angry at the Premier League instead. And we can
3: we can overlook the fact that nineteen
2: of the clubs all voted for it. Yeah. So they say <laughs> about a third of the clubs put up some fight, is what they called it, but ultimately
3: decided. See, feels even more pathetic in that case, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think you've got to take into consideration as well that each game they're losing, I think I did like the quick maths on it, and it's almost like a million and a half a game, and that's just in ticket sales. That's not what they're buying from the bar, that's not the food they're buying from the stadium. So you, when you average that out over a season of what, it's 18 home games or whatever, 14? Yeah. Um, the argument I mean, people are making is right after 90% of teams have yeah.
2: spent about fifty million in the transfer that's, window. That's
3: the problem, isn't it? You just, you just don't sign one player if you if you don't if you want to make up the shortfall. There's one player you just don't sign. And they it, all did.
0: It, it, at the same time, though, as we've spoken about spoken about in the deadline day, if Arsenal sent out a letter and said, "Look, if we sign Party, you'll have to pay fifteen pounds to watch the game," most Arsenal fans would probably say, "Yeah, go now." I'd
2: rather they just said, "Chuck has a tenner, and we'll sign a player you want." Rather yeah. than say fifteen quid for the
0: game,
2: I'd actually prefer it. I'd sooner pay the tenner as well.
0: That's that's the thing. Like that's why they're doing it. And I think they've probably thought people are able to put two and two together enough to know why we're doing this. And then it's not so much we have got the big six making big transfers and they need to recoup the money, but then you've got the lower division teams that still need an income. Like, not lower division, sorry, like lower down the division, the ones that aren't as affluent. They didn't um, even
2: say it like apologetically. Like, look, we know it's not a deal in these times. They said, it like, "We are pleased to be able to bring you for just fifteen pounds. You can watch your team this Saturday."
3: Like you said, then being baffled that you know the price—it tells you all you need to know about their sort of yeah. mentality of where they're at. I,
0: I think, yeah, I think it's the case as well that a lot of this, because COVID is such a massive thing these days, and it is affecting everyone's lives, that a weekend in front of the TV watching all of the games. Was actually a pastime. Like, yeah, I yeah, found, yeah. I found myself watching Newcastle, Brighton, and choosing a team to root for and looking out for like players, and that was actually become a part of life now because we can't go out and do other things.
3: We were watching um, Bundesliga.
0: Well exactly?
3: Yeah, it's got kind of one small silver lining to the whole thing, isn't it? And yeah, that's kind of been stripped away.
0: Exactly, and now we've kind of it's plunged everyone into the deep reality of shit. Now what? They yeah, said, yeah, didn't yeah.
3: they, they're going
2: to get more people watching it around other people's houses to split the cost of the pay-per-view. They're which is usually great. what happens with a boxing pay-per-view as well. So they're <laughs> defeating the point of everything.
3: It's, it's, it's the same as illegal streaming. You, if you By going cheap, you kill illegal streaming. It's when people decide that this price is not worth it, so I'm going to legally watch it. If you do it for uh, Alex out of five, I know they'll probably never go down that low. But even around that price, it becomes not even worth illegally looking at it. Yeah,
2: I would yeah. pay. If it was probably six, $6.
3: ninety
2: nine. Yeah, yes. under seven fifty, I would probably
3: justify it. Exactly. Because exactly. So, it's, it's just not worth illegally doing it. But at it, that point, you go, oh fuck, we're
0: not paying that. A hundred Because I find myself a lot of the time thinking I cannot be asked to fuck going trawl through all of these websites to find yeah. a stream this Which could be unreliable like, and stuff like that. And then well. cuts out halfway through. Um, I'd rather just pay the money It's just this what a couple of times But what I'm faced with now Especially Saturday Is Chelsea versus Southampton Which is a very losable game From a Chelsea perspective <laughs> And I'm going to have to pay £14.95 To probably watch my team get upset And like, <laughs> that's just the worst thing proposition anyone could ever imagine a
3: Fulham fan being offered this it's like, well, 15 pounds <laughs> of which the team gets dicked every week I'd have had a decision to make if it was Arsenal
2: City crikey the way that usually goes
3: mm-hmm. you got their number now it's sad.
2: United fans crikey feel for them <laughs> I suppose if you're a United fan at least you're guaranteeing goals because you're going to concede a
3: few I'll tell you losses last weekend would have earned more if you paid 15 pounds <laughs> apart
2: yeah Well then, So on top of that then, Project Big Picture is leaked to the press and I wouldn't be too shocked if the unfortunate leaking of this has to do with the Premier League looking as bad as it can possibly do at this moment in time. So to go over the points in general, so they say the Premier League would be reduced from 20 to 18 clubs, the League Cup and the Community Shield would be scrapped. Current one club, one vote principle will be abolished, as would rule the 14 clubs out of the current 20 need to agree on policy. Howard would be in the nine clubs that have remained in the Premier League longest Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, United City, Southampton, Spurs, and West Ham. And only six of those nine need to vote for major change. A 250 million payment up front to the EFL plus 100 million payment to the FA. 25% of Premier League's annual revenue, up from 4% would go to the EFL clubs. Uh, the reform plan was drawn up by Liverpool's owners Fenway Sports and was started in 2017 with Man United also at the forefront. Um, and then it's been brought forward by Rick Parry, the Premier League's original chief executive, who's been in place at the EFL just over a year and has been working on this solution pretty much ever since he's come in. Um He said that these parachute payments for the championship are an evil that needs to be eradicated. He's fully on board with the plans and believes the majority of the EFL clubs will be too. So it's kind of a lot to take in and I've got the most simplified notes possible there because I could have read you about eight pages worth and Mm -hmm. you still don't really get too much out of it. It essentially seems like a plan put in place to tell everyone, no, honestly, this is... The best deal possible for you here, which we see with them saying Spurs would be eligible for 125 million stadium rebate. Um, So what that means is uh, there's documents that include subsidies for stadium improvements and backdated payments for historical work. So Liverpool can claim 30 million for the new standard Anfield. United can claim 30 million for the refurbishment at uh, Old Trafford. So it pretty much is put in the favour in all of the wealthiest clubs there and then trying to convince a couple of the ones that are really going to be shafted by it that this is in their best interests.
0: Yeah it stinks to put it mm. bluntly. I mean it's it's one of those where they can kind of see a good deal for them because they're in the position to be able to do this. And it's almost like saying to the FL, right, we'll bail you out but we will be your overlords forever now
2: um, Rick Parry said that he was telling the top six that if the other clubs don't agree then they should leave the league and they'll start their own
3: I thought um, it was quite telling that supposedly when he that was put to him he said no comment on whether he did yeah. in fact say that which is as good as saying yes I did say that mm. to me you, you could quite easily deny that couldn't you so
2: it... It is mental because it seems that it's a pretty straightforward decision for half of the clubs outside of that nine. Well, all the clubs outside of that nine, but I don't know how they're going to convince them otherwise.
0: Well, this is the thing as well. You've got clubs that have just survived last season and now you want to cut the amount of teams in the Premier League to 18 as well. So you've now... Like you've got your Crystal Palaces and your West Hands and they got themselves out of trouble last season with the reality that fire could go down this season. Even
2: the stuff with like taking away the community shield and the League Cup and saying that they'll push the start of the season back to leave space for more lucrative friendlies. It's as we've just seen with the pay-per-view model, it's just everything outside of what the fans want and everything in terms of big business. Alex, you seem weirdly on board with the League Cup and Community Shield being scrapped. As a Spurs well, we've fan, had... you should be clinging to that League Cup all
1: you can. <laughs> we, we could be, yeah, we, if we win it this year and then it's gone next year, we're the last winners of it, which we can also put in our trophy cabinet, so... In <laughs> um,
3: a no, golden um, one, you have it forever.
1: Yeah, yeah, special one, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I... So I'm looking at a few of the points on the list that was given out of the plan. Um some of it just from a purely sporting perspective. But obviously going on the cup. So we've spoken about um, how the FA Cup is, isn't what it once was in terms of the importance of it. And sure we've not. spoken about how we <laughs> and we've spoken about we've spoken about how that maybe having the League Cup puts a dampener on the FA Cup because you get the sort of the higher profile teams prioritizing an early season win over a later FA Cup win when you're at the business end of the season. Um, so maybe removing that League Cup would put more of a value back on that FA Cup, which is the way it should be, because the FA Cup is really, really the most important cup in the land. Um, and with with regards to the Community Shield. I mean, I, I'm not really sure why you have to cancel. Like, I, I wasn't necessarily buying the community shield being dropped because I, I don't think that does any harm or any good being there. It's just kind of like a game to sort of signify the start of a new season. <laughs> what it's just you like a wrestling
2: around in the leaves.
1: Is is like a I don't know. It's like a friendly, but um, so and then. But moving on to cutting the team, so cutting down the amount of teams in the league uh, down to 18 um having a later start to the season um now i'm behind that because it is it's it's why because it's been quite a regular comment that at the moment the the fixtures across the season are far too bloated there's too many games going on for the you know particularly with the teams at the top tier um there's too many games going on for the players to cope with and i would agree from that from a sporting sporting respect it's there's no well, if other you move it later, apart.
2: then it's going to be even more bunched in.
1: There's no other... No, because you've got less games. There's Well, you've got four... Immediately, you have... If you take two teams out, you've got four games less a season. You have a later start to the season by... I mean, that's four weeks. You have four games. That's four... That's The, the problem is, this right. is offset
3: by what they ultimately want to do, where it's cram more pre-season games in where they can go abroad and sell it, for example. Also, the one of the biggest problems with this is that the long term thing is that these big clubs, the UEFA competitions, we almost accepting that they're going to expand, and the big clubs are looking to get involved with that,
0: and so, so they're no, going to be taking they're. the
3: place. Of so that's what that's what's going to happen. That sort of the the best case scenario not happening is that these clubs, and this isn't a good thing, but this is the best case that could possibly happen, is that these clubs end up pushing for the UEFA games to happen on the weekends and the Premier League games to happen in the midweek. The worst case scenario is that the big clubs decide they want to leave, which is obviously what we've we've mentioned before about a European Super League. Mm. Neither which I mean, are is particularly desirable.
1: Not, ultimately, if they make this move and we go along the same direction in terms of still having the same volume of games in a condensed manner, then I, I can't agree with it. But if it does result in having less games played and a less congested fixture, um, then I'm behind it because I think football is one of the few sports these days where you have to play at a certain level of intensity so regularly. And, you know, these guys have the best sports care in the world um, and they have all the money and resources in the world to look after these teams and they're still getting injured week in, week out. And that is because at the top level of sport, when you're pushing your body to the limit, it, injuries do happen. And um, So I'd like, to, I'd like to sort of think that lowering the amount of fixtures that they have currently would amplify the quality that we get on the on the pitch as an end result, but not just in the league, but also it would help to balance the international stage when you yeah, have the international competitions come along and you haven't got players going in that are they gonna they're gonna, you know, not be fit enough for it. They're tired going into the the cups, the World Cups and the Euros and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, they're tr- obviously as well, on top of this now you've got the Nations League, which they're trying to put some sort of premise on. Um and right now, it's kind of like you know the the international. So you want to push the, the season back to
2: prioritise the Nations League?
1: You've lost no. it. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to say that when it comes to the main sort of, I, I never, I didn't really agree with the Nations League, but they're coming back onto the Euros and the World Cup. You won't have players that are that exhausted. I mean, bearing in mind the situation that we're now going to be in for the next two years, we this season and next year. With the congestion of the fixtures and the, the competitions that weren't uh, being able to play this year, just gone. You know, it's there needs to be some sort of balancing and realization that these players can't go that hard for that long, that regularly. I Otherwise, think, you're just um, going to
3: have. I think the argument you're making is a, a sound one, but one that isn't even even close to the thinking of the people that have suggested these. Uh,
1: no, no. I'm, I get I get that, I get that, but there still is, you know, that that's what, that was, I'm just sort of defending from, where From an athletic into.
3: standpoint, you are right, a reduction in games probably is needed for these players, but that's mm. never ever going to happen.
2: If uh, mm. you want these young players coming through, then maybe that's the best thing for it, have more games and the young players will have to play more.
3: Uh, I think we're kind of missing the bigger points here anyway, aren't we? Oh no, absolutely, I know what the, what they're trying to do.
2: I'm just, uh, from a fan's perspective, I'm all for the uh, congested fixtures. I know there'll be injuries. I guess everyone will have to put up with the same thing.
3: We, we also don't have to in the sense of look, we both watch the NBA. And three quarters yeah. of the regular season, you cannot bother watching. We're not at that stage with the Premier no. League. Where it feels like every game matters, every cup game matters. So we're not at a stage where it's, it's ridiculous.
1: No, I, I suppose that's true. With regards to, with regards to, I mean, football these days has become a business. There's, there's no mistake on that. And you know, I, I don't know what the percentages are, but when you combine the, let's say, the the the, the amount of money that the, let's say, the top six bring into the, the you know, the football in this country compared with the rest combined. You know, from a business sense, you can understand why you'd give certain clubs maybe more of a, you know, a dominant role because that's just business. I don't agree oh. with it. I like to, I like to think that I'd, I'd like to go down the route of being more of a democracy. But there are, you know, those are the clubs with the pulling power that might be that those are the clubs with the pulling power that you're going to need at the end of the day to hopefully benefit the, the league in this country as a whole.
2: That I'm makes not sense. sure West Ham having a greater say is good news for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Have you seen the, the Ben Rama deal's falling through? Is it? This evening, yeah. Any reason? Um, it's kind of jumbled because the Mirror put out a story which David Ornstein confirmed and he said uh, it's broken. West. Uh, Ben Roma's 25 million move from Brentford to West Ham is broken down. It could be off. Nothing to do with the hammers. The 25 year old winger has fallen out with his club over this, but they've not confirmed what the issue is. But they did also say that the likes of Aston Villa, Fulham have just come sniffing back in again. So I'm assuming one of them maybe is offered more. He's got his heart set on going to West Ham. And they're saying, oh, no, you don't. You're going to wherever the most money comes in for you. <laughs> Doesn't look good because uh, you know, have uh, that man, Steve, as he's been there on here. I was just sending the news about it going through. And he said, this is West Ham we're talking about. And then he message me about an hour ago saying, told you.
3: Even if he does sign, he'll flop. It's West Ham.
2: Yeah.
3: It's, it could be great for someone, but it will be an adult to rap for them. It's just the way it would go.
2: Them, them saying with this um, Project Big Picture saying, They're going to give more money to the women's game. They're going to give more money to um, the lower league clubs and all of this. How much of this are we actually believing? Because it seems like uh, when the idea of Brexit was first put about and it was, you've got to understand everyone. This is the best possible move for you. It's going to benefit the disabled. It's going to benefit the ill. It's going to benefit women, children, men, the unemployed. And it seems like they're just ticking off all their bases, telling them how great it is for them. And I'm sure there's some small print somewhere that if this was to go through, it's just not quite as glamorous for them as it seems here. Because it seems like essentially just saying, we've got a massive pot of money that we're going to give to all of you.
3: Well, they do, is is the thing. The the fact of it is, some of these proposals in there are good proposals. But in a way, all you're doing is flouting in front of people, is that we could give this money to you for free. But actually, (laughs) we're going to do it at a cost. And it's going to be these. And they're using it as leverage. It's what the big clubs are doing. The The idea of basically these six clubs essentially controlling everything with the voting rights is, is the biggest issue within it. And that's the, the whole thing that this is about. It's just basically... There's
2: a parallel with this leaking now after it's become the, the Premier League chasing money for pay-per-view. Because if this has really been being worked on since, what, 2017, for it to suddenly leak this weekend is strange.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: It, um, it's like a deal with the devil isn't it essentially yeah. it's this is the best deal you're gonna get take it or leave it
3: it's what every big company does every government does is like this is what we're offering you and there's no better offer and as it stands unfortunately no one else has come up with anything either so they can say that and they'll say oh wow there's gonna have to be a cost we can't give you anything for free can we and in truth they can but they just don't want to it's it's a power grab that's dressed up as charity
2: what price would you put on your soul to sell it to the devil?
3: Pretty fucking low.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if they came out today, if um, the devil comes to you and he says, uh, Lionel Messi, I'll give him to your club. You can have him at the level he's at now, and he's going to stay consistent for this for the next 10 years. No injuries. Do you sell your soul for your club?
3: What's your, what's your soul really odd it. Yeah, but what, I don't what think we need so to ask you, idea? Alex,
2: because beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> Alex unmuted himself. He's taking offense to that
0: one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we will see if that pulling power is enough I, for Chelsea I, to I'm get back. around I'm... the devil's actions. <laughs>
1: I'm back. I've muted myself and I responded then as if I wasn't muted. And I'm probably <laughs> glad I did because it's now given me a chance to think
2: about my answer. So, <laughs> what price would you put on your soul, Alex? If you, I would, you, would sell Would you it. sell your soul to be um, the number one triathlete in the world? No. You would. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> this is like when we do the hypothetical questions, and you say things, but we all know that you mean the the opposite. Yeah. I mean, weirdly the only thing well enough, really. that you were open about was that you, you would pillage through several different countries to protect yourself what? <laughs> when what? we asked you the war question about how are the, how many people that you would ice to keep your own uh, little patch free and you were all what? for it and you said well Alex you justified Hiroshima on the podcast before you justified all courts of atrocities <laughs> And you essentially said the same if it was going to happen again. And you were a war general.
1: Oh, God. So find good. the context of the conversation.
2: Find the context of the conversation. I'm just giving there, you the context.
1: There. No, you haven't sold it. You I think said, I...
2: Alex, you said it like this. You said sometimes the tough decisions have to be made.
3: He did say that. How have, we,
2: how have we gone from talking about the Premier League, the yeah. upper Premier
1: League, of <laughs> yeah. making a move, said, dude, you're selling your soul to, to the genocide gentlemen. to genocide what? and making making the Premier League sound like Skynet in the Terminator films? Like, don't don't like, push that button. It's not being like, that
3: Actually,
2: I feel like with <laughs> a lack of in-person pods, we've lost some of the uh, true spitballing glam. So I'm just trying to bring some back where we get these little tangents. <laughs> uh.
1: You're gonna do, do you, you're gonna do a spin off spin off the pod where you're like Piers Morgan sat in the chair
2: interviewing. Crossed. There's one no need for that. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I was offered Messi to come to Arsenal for by the devil, I'd say take that ability, put it in Nicholas Bentner, and then put him on Arsenal and you've got a deal. <laughs> and I've just got his book, so I'm gonna start that tomorrow actually. Anyway, from one devil to the other, Gareth Southgate, what is he doing? Is our next topic. <laughs> England did scrape through with a win yesterday against Belgium. So it's a big win there. Uh, I don't think any of us were too thrilled with the lineup beforehand, other than Jack, because Mount was started. But the question is kind of <laughs> what is he doing? Does anyone feel that? he's still the right man to take England forward. Because I can tell you now, I don't.
0: I think he did what he, what he set out to do to start, which was, which was to kind of bring the England team back into touch with the fans. That's what he's achieved so he's far. He's lost that. Um, I don't know. But again, in that situation yesterday, he wanted an experienced team. Jack, he did it against Denmark. No, trust me. <laughs> Two DMs, they're Mark against, a good side. two DMs against Iceland. But trust me, I I get it. At the you same time, it. he only gets a certain amount of time with this team. He wants a team to gel, so he wants the team to always be the same against who he, who he plays against. But
2: they can't defend still while they're playing these defensive positions. I, I
3: agree. And yet they I, won. It's interesting, they won. It's,
2: yeah, it's... It's like every win Arsenal had under Unai Emery, where it was papering over those cracks. Uh, and... Maybe,
3: but your thing was like, is he the guy to lead into the next one? The problem with international football is you don't really have many opportunities to sack a manager. Like, I don't really know. Like, I wasn't happy with the team selection. But what's well, then why done? did we
2: get rid of Roy?
3: Because we got dicked by Iceland. <laughs> and before that, we hung on to try and get through in the, the previous tournament on penalties, which we obviously are notoriously great at. And we had zero. I think play. We are. Look. Your hatred for Southgate would actually make a lot more sense if you didn't love Roy.
2: <laughs> Roy's got a bit more. <laughs> I'm Roy's Roy's a bit, bit more look, Roy's got a bit more charm to him. <laughs> okay. No, he hasn't. He has, and I guarantee you one thing: Andros Townsend would have been starting yesterday.
3: Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: If you offer me Andros Townsend or Eric Dyer, I'd rather have Andros Townsend at centre back. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Hey, look, they a side
3: of one.
2: Look, if, you, if we take my uh, affiliation with Roy out of it, I think <laughs> most people can see that we've got some of the best attacking talent that England have had in quite some time. I'm not going to make the golden generation comparison, which is being uh, frequented, <laughs> but you've got to think that we can offer more than a five-three-two. 2. It's a 3-4-3. If you look at our attacking players compared with Belgium's yesterday, De Bruyne aside, I'd rather have had our attacking options.
3: What about Big Rom? He bullied us.
2: He did, but Harry Kane can do the same thing. But Jose has bullied Southgate. I've yeah, never seen has, anything quite like that. He, he called him bullied. Gary and it's just in his head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: He's really undermined in there.
2: It's it's just frustrating when you see the squad that could be there.
3: The problem is that the way we play, I, I don't know what everyone's expecting each time in terms of it's almost always slow, turgid, boring. And each yeah. time it's, it's like we've been kind of in I've not said this before, but I'd like the neuraliser on Men in Black. Like we think we just we forget every other game and we think suddenly we're gonna start playing football
2: we did against Panama
3: yeah uh, we played some attacking football in that in that tournament so maybe that was uh, our expectations were, were too high from that. but I don't know it was, when a team that only gets together every so often we play like a team that only gets together every so often
2: but when we got Rashford and San, uh, Rushford, Sancho Sterling the likes on the wings to then play such a narrow formation is just baffling
0: I find that, yeah, I find that strange. I feel like we don't get the best out of any of our players. No.
3: Um,
0: I, just sort of, if, I think in this moment in time as well, we, we went to this international break with pretty much all of the defenders that we've got at our disposal coming off a loss and quite heavy losses as well.
3: Um, they all are shot to pieces.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that...
3: And, and then he didn't start Conor Cody. He, yeah, he actually did just, well and... and... And if you're going to play a free, he has to play, doesn't it? He?
2: surely? He's gone against mm-hmm. everything he said in his opening press conference.
3: Yeah, that, that's probably my issue with him, is that in this most recent one, he seemed to go out of his way to not play the form players and not play people in their right position.
2: That Mount Grealish thing now, I'm convinced he's doing on purpose since it was pointed out.
0: Well, I, I don't get how someone can come off the back of a win having scored the winning goal and getting... No, the have match you seen the interviews him?
2: that people are referencing where he's asked about Grealish? It is quite funny. And he kind of gives a <laughs> sentence and then says, but you've got to think one. Mason Mount yeah, today.
0: Yeah. With I, don't what I'm think, I don't think that segue is as stark as people make out to be.
3: I think it's been made
2: into a thing, hasn't it? It's become yeah, like,
0: Well, Grealish made not, his not, debut,
2: got it, man of the match, and then he, taught, he spoke about Mason Mount's 20-minute cameo. <laughs>
0: People forget as well that Mason Mount has <laughs> a
2: He is dreadful.
0: Dreadful. He's not <laughs> as bad as everyone's making out <laughs> Oh of
2: Wow. There's a
0: reason why he's played 55 games in a top four team that season.
2: Yeah, for Frank Lampard, anyone. for Frank Lampard and Gareth Southgate, two bum managers.
0: Who finished above you?
2: Hey, look, we couldn't sign anyone either. We were
3: restricted by Unai Emery.
0: You signed Padlet. <laughs> yeah, you signed play. £75 million with the Padlet.
3: Anyway, we, we're yeah. going off a little bit. It takes yeah. time to settle. <laughs> I, um, I think, He's obviously I good, think... he's just not greedish good, I think, myself.
1: Yeah. I think I think one thing that we're forgetting here is that being an international manager, it's not the same as managing a club where you've got the ability to go and look, go and look for players that you want to buy and bring in, you've got to I've done both at you, the same you, time. You've got to form <laughs> you've got to form you've got to form a unit here that can work together. You don't know who gets on with who in that change room after the you know
3: come on. The,
1: uh, well, it's true though, you know, if Grealish if Greenish is one of the
3: boys.
2: If if, if he's we not, have Terry and he's and causing a problem. A squad together.
1: But he's also as well, you've got to remember he's gotta form this squad in this unit inside a much more condensed amount of time than you would in any other area no, of not. the game like at a club you've got it you can understand sometimes where you know go way back to um the the world cup where there was a lot of distinguishing amount of tottenham players in that squad like oh, the well, the, Tot- the tottenham spine was in there you can understand ultimately you look at it and there was maybe some better options that you wanted to go for at the time but Having a having a unit of players which are used to working together to used to working together playing together on the pitch saves a lot of time when you're trying to build a squad that works. And you know we look we 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 give other we give t- other teams like um, like take take Mexico for example who have a lot of players that nobody knows but work well as a team together. We give them a salute and a pat on the back when they pull out amazing international performances when they just work well as a team. No distinguishing no distinguished world star players, but they perform well I think as a you're team you're
2: disrespecting Carlos Vela Chikorito. <laughs> you, you get that it was off the top of my head, but you get my you get my you get my point. Yeah. You know, when yeah, yeah. my my point would be that is if all four of us today had to pick our best England eleven, it, they're probably all gonna be different, but none of them would be what Southgate put out in the last three games
0: again at the same time what we've done there we've come up a team who we've lost against twice in recent memory quite but he has just losses played against Belgium tournaments however what he's done there is he's thought right who well, are the players that I can trust who haven't let me down um, then why is Maguire and
2: what, why is Dyer in the team then if he's picking people <laughs> haven't let him down how does he keep getting a yeah, game
0: that I, that I don't get. However,
2: Dyer sent us through in the World people, Cup.
0: Pe- pe- <laughs> would, would, yeah. would any people, of us with that squad of players yeah, Let, player let, let me finish my point, Byron. You're turning to Piers <laughs> Morgan, you are. Um, <laughs> oh, my point is. And like, a lot was being made there of he's starting three right backs. Oh my God, he's starting three right backs. Carl Walker has got, like, in a shaky defence, he's got the pace to bear a lot of people out at right centre back. We saw Azpilicueta do that well in the Conte for Chelsea. Trent Alexander-Arnold is great as an attacking wing-back, puts great balls into the box, as we saw against Wales, scoring from three crosses. And then you've got Kieran Trippier, where Ben Chilwell isn't fit. He obviously doesn't want to throw Saka in at the deep end against Belgium. So he put Kieran Trippier there. I don't, again, that's what he had at his disposal at this point of the season with fitness levels and things like that.
2: But he moaned in the last press about not funny. having a left-sided player.
0: Mm. Granted, but again, having Saka, which he made what his England debut against Wales, don't get me wrong, I think he's a brilliant player, but he wanted to obviously with a, get up against the number one team in the world, don't forget, which we've just beaten the number one team in the world. Granted, they've, they're have missing the Hazard yeah, brothers. So we aren't
3: number one, let's just get it on the run. If it was like a one-off, I would understand. <laughs> I, would,
2: I would say fair enough, but it's not a one-off.
0: I think at the same time, though, if you're playing Iceland or if you're playing Denmark, if you want to play, if he wants to play this way, it's not going to go four at the back and then just throw us in at five at the back or three at the back against Belgium. You want to be able to build a system. And you only do that by playing that team in that system in every game that they play. Sometimes it will look awful and sometimes it will work. And that's what I like. When we come up against teams where we have all of the ball, and they sit at the edge of their box, the chances are we're going to have the flair or the talent to be able to nick a goal in those or get the first goal and bring them out. But you only, again, get to do that by knowing the system. Then that system will work brilliantly against a team like Belgium, where if they have more of the ball, we'll be more defensively sound and be able to counterattack them with three great attackers, which would probably, in my choice, be Kane, Sancho and... Sterling or maybe put Rashford in there being supplied by probably the best wing back in the league at the moment, which is Trent Alexander Arnold with having a solid back three with two defensive mids. that can fill in for the attacking wing backs when we attack, when we go through the phases. So I understand that people are pissed off that he's playing two defensive mids against, but the way that he plays is those two defensive mids will then go back into defense. If our wing backs are caught way up the pitch.
3: Yeah, see, I I had no problem with the formation. I actually think this is the formation we have to play. I don't think we're good enough at the bats. I think we have to have three centre-backs. I think we're going to have to go wing-backs. And this is the only way you're going to get three attacking players in there. The likes of Sterling and Sancho. You couldn't do a 5-3-2 like we did last one, for example, because you're not going to play people like Sterling and Sancho. They aren't going to be able to get in. So this is the only way in which he's going to be able to do it. I actually felt you're probably going to live and die on this by those two defensive mids in there. I don't think it could be Henderson and Rice. I think it's going to have. I, I've said before, I like Calvin Phillips at these. I think he's different. He just get on the ball and play more than. Look at Rice. I've said it before, and I know Jack has as well. It's, it's a centre back playing centre mid. Hmm. And every time he picks up the ball, the passes are reflective of that. At least <laughs> Phillips takes more risk. And and he's not exactly a defensive liability. If you're watching at these. he can break up the players. Well. It's not like you're suddenly just putting someone expansive in there. I, hmm. I just think, I think the, I don't mind the formation, I just think the personnel's got to be different if, if we're going into a yeah. game I really care about. I, on this game, maybe not so much, but if we go into a game, something to play a starting, I, I wouldn't have had starting at all. Agreed. The,
0: other... And like what I was going to say as well, just coming on to that, is what this formation does, is it allows the front three to be a front three. You don't yeah. have to worry about Sterling, Sancho or Rashford tracking back because, one, they're not very good at it and two, it will tire them out. What you're better off doing is having a solid back line with hard-to-beat two center, uh, defensive mids in front of that back line, winning the ball back, and then having an overload up front because mm. other teams aren't going to play three or five at the back. And then it just allows that little kind of trio at the top there, which, let's be honest, we, in previous years, we've said the the best number nine in the world just as a solid number nine. Um, Sterling plays brilliantly in hey, one Man City he said team. that? A lot of, pe- a lot of people yeah, said that. Um, and what it will allow them to do is just play as a trio and then... I, I think that's others... the wrong
2: way to go about it though because essentially you're, you're picking eight defenders and then saying to the three attackers go and do something.
0: That's not true though because yeah, they... like we've seen with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Ben Chilwell when he's fit and Saka for that matter when he's more kind of bedded into the team is that They love to attack. Now, but they they haven't been doing
2: that though. It's like they've been put on reins because, and I think it probably the centre backs have an issue there because they're having to defend more. Because if any of us had to pick three at the back for England, would any of us have Maguire or Dyer in there? No. Mings and Cody have been two of our best uh, defenders in the last couple of games. Mings, Cody, Gomez, any selection. Them, I'd even have someone like Keane, Tarkovsky over the two of them.
0: It, I think at the same time, we fall foul of trying to have an edgy England opinion. Like, that's not it's all, edgy. with I'm, not it's or edgy. Dyer. I'm just saying that everyone's Dyer's looking for the new opinion to have on the England team. Everyone's was, like, oh, yeah, we should put like such and such here. When if someone mentioned the name Calvin Phillips, like, people would get laughed out the kind of room before and now you've got Gareth Southgate actually doing that and it's working pretty well it's a work-in-progress team at the moment and like we're not a set team where we've got superstars like Rio Ferdinand, Ashley Cole, John Terry where all the positions are cemented like I was going to buy an England shirt the other day and I didn't know what name or number to get on the back of my shirt because no one cemented. It's like there's a different number 10 every game, different number 7 every himself.
3: game.
0: Well, I was <laughs> going to get Mount 19, but it was number 10 the other day, so I might have to do that. Um, but the point is, is that he's got a system that he wants, and we saw this before the last World Cup. When we went into it, we all thought we could be playing five at the back because that's how he went into it. It's obviously the way he wants to play. Now, we didn't do that in the World Cup, whereas now I think he's thinking. Every time I get this team together, I want them to look like a team. And we always have the same problem with England, which is, oh, they look like a bunch of strangers being thrown into a team. Well, the only way that you get any kind of continuity or chemistry in the team is if it looks shit to start with, then it's a process. and We're yeah, just going to have to trust the process, uh, as Byron uh, by likes
3: to say. But by the, but by I the can disagree too, can more.
0: You,
3: yeah, by the same token, you surely get your best eleven together. And even if they look shit to start with, you mould it from there. It seems to me like we're trying to sort of force things here with, cer- with certain players. Like, we, we've all just said we wouldn't have Dia, for example. We take him. It's the same thing with the goalie situation. It's just saying like, yeah. well, no one's overly happy about Pickford. But the problem with the other keepers is they don't have enough experience. The only way to do it is to play them more. Same with Saka. Say, like, to bed in with a squad. but well, we're going to have to play them aren't we? I
0: don't Again,
3: the at who would be myself. your England keeper?
0: Pope. Like, to draw with Allison for Golden Gloves was paying for Burnley.
2: I, I agree, by the way. That says a lot. I think him or Henderson be ahead of,
3: which should be in ahead of Pickford. The, the problem thing with, with th- them is the experience. They're not more unreliable than him, are they? No. He's more
0: like Tyra Rickett than that. Yeah. but I would feel edgy with Pickford at the back at the moment because now I know how many yeah. mistakes he is like, capable of. Um, whereas Dean Henderson, don't get me wrong, like he had a few mistakes at Sheffield but because he's young and because he's new he didn't get picked up on Pope has to be for me like he is the best I know it probably didn't go in his favour that he had that howler at Newcastle just before we went to England duty but he, as a safe pair of hands and he, someone who makes great saves he's great and he looks like a keeper looks effortless whereas Pickford when he makes a save he looks like he's always stretching it 110% just to <laughs> even is. get there
2: uh, I I don't know if this is harsh now because I did think the people that were criticising England straight after the World Cup finished, I thought, were trying to be edgy. But when you look back now, we didn't play particularly well we at the World football. Cup. No, we play- relied on penalties and we're still relying on penalties. So I think any credit in the bank for Southgate, for that needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. And I think people saying that well, this player <laughs> did this in the World Cup, this player did this in the World Cup, needs to also be taken with a pinch of salt because we didn't play very well. We were lucky that we had Kane, who's a great penalty taker. And outside of that, the football was awful. And there's mm-hmm. no excuse for having awful football with these with these players at your disposal.
0: I do agree. I, don't I do care. Agree.
2: If we're if we conceding three but scoring five every game, I'd be more comfortable than See, this relying, is the on, problem. relying on a penalty.
3: This is the you're expecting too much.
2: I don't think we are with those players in the teams I, we're playing against.
3: Maybe I'm maybe I'm seeing not seeing something you are. I don't think we have that many world class players. And we've just been playing Belgium and we just won.
2: Bel- the Belgium game, I was harsh about the formation. You get the result. Congrats. The the Belgium game I'm happy to take out of any criticism I have towards it. I'm saying when you have a front line where you have the likes of Kane. Calvert-Lewin, Sancho, Sterling, Rashford. There's no excuse to not be scoring goals against some of these teams, or at least looking, threatening it. Because I think that's, it's... that's that's a better front line than most Premier League teams. And we'd be criticizing the Premier League teams if they had those players and weren't scoring goals. We'd the be criticizing is, Spain if they had those front three and weren't scoring goals.
0: What I what I'd say though is that out of th- the only player out of that front three that plays regularly against packed defences is Sterling the rest of them are used to operating on the break or like for example Harry Kane under Mourinho is all the goals seem to be him and son great link up playing on the break Rashford running through on the break using his pace but we don't have and Sterling is the only one that regularly plays against a packed defence and even then now He's seeing teams come at Man City, and he's got more space. The problem is, is our link-up play because is to try and coach a bunch of players to play a certain way in the Premier League, and then come up against Iceland, who will have their entire team inside their box. It's just a completely different entity because even Boy, the teams that pack, then,
2: who's. Playing two defensive midfielders isn't going to help break him down anymore. No,
0: I agree. But that's where my fluidity point comes in, that you coach that against a packed defence team because that's the way he wants to play when he comes up against France. Like, if we ever drew France in like the knockout stages of a, of a tournament, I'd be saying, pack that fucking defence and hit them <laughs> on the break. And then the only way that you're going to be able to do that effectively is if they've already played like that. There's no point playing before at the back. <laughs> we're packing Three. that defence
2: with Walker at centre back, Dyer and Maguire. So, yeah. what's the good in packing the defence with defensive players? Because, look, Belgium could have had about five yesterday. We're lucky they didn't. And it's the yeah. same. Is, you do that that get that luck. Point,
3: yeah, yeah, we were fortunate together against Belgium.
2: They could have carved us. Again, if we that, were playing a the, the, the solid defensive team with that formation, then it, it's understandable. But it seems like. He has the formation he wants to play. He has the players he likes. And he's just trying to find some weird way to fit them in. Because it, otherwise, it, it doesn't make much sense to me. Unless he's being told by someone higher above him in the FA, these are the players that need to be playing, then I don't understand it at all.
0: Again, like we, the way we lined up against Belgium is not how an England... That's not the starting lineup. view going to have lining up in a tournament because you're coming off the back of a very busy no no but what I'm saying is is that he can't do it because he's got three international games in the space of a week whilst on the bookend of a packed Premier League schedule beforehand and then massive games at the weekend so he doesn't want to run his players into the ground he wants Harry Kane to be able to get a season without injury under his belt before he goes into the next tournament that's what he I wasn't wants.
2: concerned about that till Joe's had a word. Yeah, I but,
0: think it's
3: pretty clear he's not been able to play some of the players he wants yeah, to play as well. That,
2: that's that's so if it. We look at
3: Kane, Sancho, you know. You get me in a 4-3-3, four,
2: four, three, three, Jobs are good. In.
3: Who would you? What would your eleven be? Well, admittedly,
2: when I did this the other day, I did have Saka at left back, which I can well, I can I bypass for well But
3: yeah, I'd mine would it. be he's left-sided. I'll take him over Trippier.
2: Pope in goal, um, Cody and either go um, Cody Gomez Mings uh, combination of those three. Trent at right back. I think you need Henderson alongside either Grealish or Madison. I think Madison is easy to forget about because he's been injured for the last however long. And I think you need a Sancho Kane still in front line and. I don't think you can do that with the formation he's playing because whether you're going to have. That I mean, is he too
3: open. You know, you got Henderson, who's the only one who's going to do any work in there.
2: Yeah.
3: And I, know, and I like. Grealish
2: people, like, puts Grealish up more fan. yards than most other players in the league.
3: Yeah, but he also gets played on the left of a front free for Villa. He doesn't have any level of responsibility like that. Mm. Now, in theory, what you're saying is brilliant, and on the foot manager game, it would work fantastic.
0: Yeah, you not, but in reality, hey, you're th- disrespectful one one
3: against,
2: like, against Bulgaria and this is the Wales. Lazy
0: fan I, I, that I really completely think, agree with what I players and it'll work, it doesn't
3: always work.
0: Yeah, it's like one of those when you inherit it. You get the new FIFA, like I've just downloaded it, and you get downstairs. Don't be
2: disrespectful. The teams we're playing,
0: that's of
2: Belgium, that's
0: sound. And then all your new sign-ins you've just got, you want to go and play with them. That's what, that's what that team smacks at. What but it do, doesn't do... Do, but,
2: do Dyer, Rice, Phillips offer you enough defensively to Dyer's counteract the, the, the attacking ability that you get with having the extra attacking player? Because I, if you have I, a solid I, defensive player alongside, then fair enough. But if you think I'd even have five at the back... And have Henderson alongside Grealish or Madison and that front line. So you'd have.
3: That's what I thought you'd suggested.
2: Yeah. Uh, m- mine was a 4 3 3. Where, you I, said three bikes. I said a combination of those three. Right. So Got it. So uh, if it was going to be a 5 2 3, then, or a 3 4 3, or whatever you want to call it, then I'm happy. Cody, Gomez, Mings, Sackville, think... Chilwell, and Trent on the other side, Henderson and either Grealish or Madison, and that. Front line, and you're just gonna to have to tell Sancho and Sterling you're putting a shifted.
0: Again, telling them it. that is, is when you're controlling them on FIFA, it's different. Obviously, hey, I don't try to get... with
2: those I play <clears throat> Football Manager or Ultimate Team, and what? they wouldn't be getting in line.
3: You just got to think, no one in the no one in the Prem would do that. No team in the Prem is gonna go like in a situation like that and just have basically one man in midfield. This just doesn't happen. Mm. I agree with you, against lower opposition, I think they should at least probably try this, even if it's off the bench doing it, changing it up. But uh, at the same time, if he was... My probably criticism of it is it doesn't look to me like he's playing his best level every time and building towards something. Mm. I, well, no, I agree. Like throwing every attacking player. In what
0: what I get bored of, like, I, I, I totally agree in the sense that I would have expected us to be playing better football than we are right now. Um, the fact that we're still relying on set pieces and crosses to win games <laughs> is frustrating when you've got the ball players that are Kane, Sancho, Sterling. That is really frustrating for me to watch, to, to see us line up and then against Wales to score from what was it? It was a free kick, a cross, and a corner. That doesn't. That's no different to two years ago at the World Cup when we headed our way and penaltyed our way to a dubious semi-final, which we then lost against a team that were completely beatable with the team that we had. Um, and you're right, I, I don't enjoy watching England play because it is turgid shit. It's sideways passes. It isn't enough breaking the lines. But the only way... I feel that we're going to get to that stage where we are breaking lines is to have a team that knows the system inside out. And the only way to do that is to play that system all the time, no matter who you're playing against.
2: I think there's some kind of compromise you can have there because alongside Henderson, say you have a two or a three. So Mm. the likes of Winks, Oxlade, Chamberlain are a better option than Eric Dyer in there. Oh yeah, Because you do need some it seems he it seems he's kind of got to make a choice between defence or ball progression and it seems there's you, yeah. no real balance there because... you're right
3: you, you need a balance i said before I'm not, I'm not i'm not even 100% sold on winks but i like him in terms of in that role and he's that type of player who at least will get i'd rather the him than rice right. got... yeah exactly it's because there's less you know just passing at a right angle or whatever I, I, don't I know think
2: Madison statistically can defend the way that you need someone to play in that position.
3: I'm, if I, I'm sure if statistically we, it probably looks good, but I, I, I don't know. Again, similar situation to with Grealish, where it's club, he doesn't get charged with that sort of responsibility.
0: I feel like if you look at like the top four, the big six, they've got that progressive player where they will run the ball through the lines. It kind of um, Liverpool. You've either got the, the choice of... Ox or Fabinho that can win the ball back, intercept, and then carry the ball through the lines themselves, creating the space. At United, you've got Fernandez, and he's played more in advanced role, but he will carry the ball through the lines. At Chelsea, we have Kovacic, where he can dribble the ball through the lines. With England, if you're if we've got Rice and um, Calvin Phillips or something starting, then we lose that impetus of been able to carry the ball through the line. So they're too scared to pass the ball past the midfield and they look up and they see the front three being marked out the game, which is why I can kind of see why he wants to have that extra width of three at the back, two wing backs, where they can get round that, that midfield block and then bypass it that way. But we're not blessed with with as many defensive midfielders as we've got. We're not blessed with those line breakers that, a key for this kind of like what the way that we want to play if we had a player that would consistently break that line by carrying the ball instead of passing it that gives you an option then of runs from Sancho, Sterling, Rashford or Kane like obviously not playing all at once but those options. I mean gre- would,
3: Greedy should be perfect for it but you Hundred percent. need someone I, you'd have to play him in a free if you're playing him in midfield for
0: Yeah I would have to you'd have to have two deep yeah, like a Henderson or someone next to Henderson with him playing as a cam roll. That's what you would need for him to be able to do that. Um, give me
2: Hendo Walks and Calvin Phillips. I've just solved it for Southgate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then at the same time, we don't see how they train. We don't see the chemistry there and then. I think we just got to trust him. We just have... We'll give him at I least can't. another tournament because we had two tournaments in fucking Roy. So,
2: yeah. It, bring Roy it, back it, for this one. He'll uh, show oh, you how oh, to Christ. defend properly.
0: I wanted Roy's head on a plate, that there is no <laughs> cash in the bank. You there. back
2: Frank Lampard, so anything you say.
3: I I don't know about you boys, but is we say about the, the lack of intensity and stuff. Is that not just the problem of international football as a whole? Everyone says oh it's a slow pace and stuff. Is it not just that these games really don't mean anything? Predominantly they almost always mean nothing. Even qualifiers really don't. And the yeah. only games that ever mean anything are when you get to a tournament, and by that point, you, you know you're done. Really, Your teams are in place, and you're, right, we'll see who's going to fare best.
2: So I think that's... Germany, Germany, are put four past Belarus, six past Northern Ireland. That kind of, at least, at least they're going out and doing what they should be doing. That's
0: true, but at the same time, we were doing that all the time when we had the Rooney, Lampard, Gerard kind of generation, and we'd flounder it and not win a game at the like. The actual finals. So I if we could get Sven back, because <laughs> I, I, I'd love to Boy see when we, to when we used to get like some minnow European team, like Andorra or something, come to Wembley and just get absolutely nailed. And then we didn't even get out of the group stages at the 2014 World Cup. It was just it kind of built you up for nothing. Whereas here, I think if you want to build a system that's going to work in every game you play, now's the time to start. Um, I don't think, like, that's that could be another reason. We, we kind of set up where we always think we're going to have all of the ball um, against these minnows that used to come to us in qualifying, or still do, get to the finals and get completely found out because they don't know how to play defensively together because they're so used to just everyone being on the halfway line that we get found out. Whereas if we have the process now where we kind of try and deal with that I think that's what we need to do we're the bookies
2: favourite for Euro 2020 I can't believe that that's fucking crazy <laughs> that's outrageous France are third favourites by the way
0: <laughs> that's just <laughs> is it because we've got some of our games at Wembley is that what it is do you reckon
2: well, I don't know but Germany the fifth favourites Spain's sixth
0: <laughs> I, I saw Spain's 11 I know it's a very depleted one but someone put like a comparable up from the 2010 World Cup team to the team they've got now, and the decline is pretty pretty jarring. But again, at the same time, we were 3 0 up at Spain not many moons ago. was it, a year, two years ago now? Are you we saying went... we need Welbeck back? <laughs> uh, if he had run a form, he could probably
2: still
3: make
2: that fucking squad. That's why we need Roy back. If we uh, m- move on, maybe we'll put our 11s in there next week or before the next international game or something. Mm. So this weekend's UFC, I was one of the seemingly few people that did stay up to watch it. We had a viral moment that was sports centers number one, put all over the media over here, abroad, all sorts. Joaquin Buckley's KO of Impaka Sangani. The question is whether it's the best knockout of all time. I said the second I saw it that it was very in the moment but TK if I go to you is it the best KO of all time?
3: It's kind of hard to argue with isn't it? When, when I saw the message from you in the morning I thought like you said a little bit in the moment and then I saw that clip going viral and a lot of other people saying the same thing and I was really racking my brain just trying to think of one that's better.
2: So I thought to kind of quantify it there, there's two things to take into account which is I think for the one side, then it probably is. And I saw others kind of equating it, and that's technique and circumstance. So Mm -hmm. in terms of technique, I do think it is probably the best technical KO I've ever seen in terms of it being a technique that no one has seen at least executed like that before. It's the equivalent of barring in where they're knocked out standing and have the seemingly slow motion fall but the, the fact that it would walk off helps. Usually and you catch eye, the leg. rolling
3: as well. You kind of have yeah. a checklist of everything, didn't it,
2: really? Usually you catch the leg and they'll kind of brush it to one side
3: mm.
2: uh, to kind of make you reset and then you can kind of form your attack from there. A couple of times he'd caught the kick. And you've got to think, this this is a guy um, in Joaquin Buckley who was knocked unconscious in his last fight by Kevin Holland, so you would think it's his second fight in the UFC. Sometimes you don't get three chances. This could be being cut if you lose here. He came out swinging from the start, and then this happens, and he says he's been doing taekwondo since he was a kid, and this is just a taekwondo move. And he said afterwards, his interview is pretty good. He said, a drill to kill, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah. The
2: difference is maybe it being circumstance, and the fact that it wasn't a high-profile fight, it was... In the second round, I believe he hadn't faced too much adversity at this stage. That the only one I could think of having above it was um, Yair Rodriguez's KO of Korean Zombie. That
3: was that was the first one that came into my mind with best knockout. Only because, especially when you say circumstances, probably yeah. where I was.
2: That was a spinning upwards elbow in the last second of a main event that he was losing on all cards.
3: Yeah, that that was kind of it. I, I think if you take the two in isolation, you don't know the circumstances of it. I think it's pretty clear that um, Buckley's one wins it just because of the, like I said, of all the things that were in play. Yeah. But it, it is hard to ignore the circumstance of that knockout.
2: Jack, Alex, have you seen the clip? I yeah, have indeed.
0: Yeah.
2: What did you think? Did it, make, did it wake you up on Sunday morning? Oh, it was crazy. crazy. Yeah. You go, mate. You go. I-
1: I obviously I don't watch a lot of fighting sports. I certainly don't watch hardly any UFC apart from the big clips like this. But the moment I saw that, I can't say I've ever like um, from someone who's probably only ever seen highlight reels of a lot of the majority of the most famous moments. I can't think of anything else that stands out like that um, in my head in terms of you know it sounds it sounds terrible, but obviously the initial movement itself absolutely outstanding but I think the way that the guy falls to the ground as well <laughs> that slight delay the entire well, moment makes so, it yeah it uh, just like kind
2: of. <laughs> yeah to think yeah. how powerful he is the fact that he doesn't have a leg to plant on there that's not even him kicking with full power when he connects with his face there
3: that's horrible
2: so you think when he's standing and kicking you in the head the, the power he's generating he, he, he's, he's a big man
0: yeah, when I saw it I, I thought from like just the technical standpoint it was almost something you see in an action movie. Like, I know we've just yeah. done the raid in um, movie Madness, but it was something you'd expect to see from that. It was like, just the, like,
3: clean on the chops in the raid and kept coming forward. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs>
0: not... <laughs> I think when you compare
2: boxing knockouts in MMA knockouts, a boxing knockout is going to be have to be particularly special to, top an MMA one in kind of the greatest list because there's just so fewer options as to what you can do. Um, if, if it was boxing, the one that came to my head was one man markers against Pacquiao as being the best ever. And that ties in with the circumstance and the technique and everything with the fall and things like that. But then if you put that side by side with Joaquin Buckley's, then it's not really a contest.
3: Yeah, I guess we can't wait too much on circumstance. Otherwise, you'd say something like McGregor and Aldo, yeah, the greatest knockout. But obviously, that was a, a lot more basic of just a left hand straight on the chin, wasn't it? Rather than yeah, uh, and that was more the Buckley one.
1: I suppose that it's the more the weight of the occasion as well in that. that that's yeah. what I
3: mean. It's all about the moment rather than the actual. Like I said, if you took an isolated clip, you would just say, like, "Oh, that looks good," but it's you're not jumping out of your seat like you are for the Buckley one.
2: I still think my favourite of all time is uh, Andy Lee against John Jackson, who's probably the, the knockout I've watched the most as well.
3: Yes, it's, it's not a bad shout at all. But,
2: yeah, that that wacky Buckley one, between that and uh, Yair and Korean Zombie, and George Masvidal probably feels a bit uh, hard done by it. Ben Askren probably breathes a sigh of relief as that going down is being called the greatest knockout because he doesn't have to see himself getting flying need in the head. And every highlight reel for the rest of his existence.
3: Yeah, you're going to say you could probably feel a bit shortchanged with your miles with that. The, the tricky thing for him as well is that everyone kind of treats asking like he was just a bum now. Yeah. Which, which is a little harsh considering what he did outside the UFC, but that's kind of the way the sport goes, I guess.
2: Yeah. And then just, um, actually, I was going to say with, with knockouts, I always see, and you always see clips of kind of street fights and the knockouts you get there. I don't know where these happen, because any fight I've ever seen in person has always been the most anti-climatic <laughs> thing. In secondary school, I think I can remember maybe two, three fights and them all being particularly anti-climatic. So unless anyone else has ever seen some someone get iced ice like this, <laughs> Then I don't know where these clips are coming from that surface online. This no, is where we know. need Troy, really. I'm sure Troy's seen someone with a samurai kick or something.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so people get battered, but never like a, one of those ones like on like Best Fights where you see someone just get hit clean and then just go out cold. Never, Not really, I don't think. Always not the underdog kid
2: as well that pulls
3: it out of the locker. So happy for him every time.
2: Do you remember the uh, the
1: Australian school kid who picked up the 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 sort of the slightly yeah. large Australian school kid that body slammed the? Yeah.
2: That attempt. was like a spinning drop as well. That was some um, like WWE yeah. business. Yeah. Um, just in closing out today, then uh, we had LeBron won his fourth championship last night. Uh, myself and TK stayed up. Jack, Alex, I won't ask you for a technical breakdown of lebron's nba season but i know for us lebron's always been someone that we have rooted for probably one of the people that got us into basketball as a sport and so the question here is athletes you'll always root for that don't play for your team so either myself or tk support the Cavs, support the heat support the lakers and i wonder if there's any others that you always find yourself pulling for troy say and rooney were very uh, off key, so I don't know if any of you have any like that. <laughs>
1: uh I I had a uh, so obviously one for me, but I, I suppose it's not entirely fitting the bill, but I did still root for Gareth Bale. But uh, the one that springs to mind was um uh, Pavel Nedved back in two thousand like the early two thousands, um <laughs> when England especially got knocked out of the Euros in two thousand and four and he was still in there. I was rooting for Pavel Nedved all the way, all the way. He was uh I, I absolutely loved him as a player. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was a business. Um, I expected and Alps, you to
2: it... say Javi Alonso. Uh,
1: him as well, hundred percent. Him as well. He's uh, for some reason he didn't come into my mind when he jumped off the when he jumped out of the stand and ran to his team. I, I think I nearly cried. I think I nearly cried when I saw that <laughs> moment. Still a travesty that he got a fine
2: for that as well. In in basketball terms. Um... J.R. Smith is always just going to be a guy. I've I've seen things today with people saying that they should allow him to be a free agent in the finals every year and just let him sign for a team 20 minutes (laughs) before they win because he played three minutes of the finals. Um, He was the first person to touch the trophy. He um, had his goggles ready for spraying champagne and he did his interview uh, shirtless to set the tone there. Within two minutes of them winning the championship, he was on Instagram live, and they ended up taking him back and forgetting someone else on the coach pack who played more minutes than him. So
0: <laughs> so good,
2: <laughs> Jr. is just a legend of the game. I mean, if you search his uh, everything about him, I mean, he was in the he was in the news. We spoke about it earlier in the year, didn't we, on one of our first pods after lockdown, where during the uh, just before the riot started, someone smashed his car and came out of his house and went to town on them. And then went on his Instagram live and justified it saying, hey, "They broke my window." So, Jack, anyone uh, you wrote for outside of Chelsea? It's gonna be a
0: tough one. It used to be Edgar Davids. I have no idea why. I just <laughs> used to love the goggles. I used to sign them on all my t It Used to be David yeah, Beckham Barnet's as well. Good. Yeah, David Beckham as well. I just. Loved him. I idolised him as a kid. I think it was probably him. Yeah. Um, Johnny Wilkinson, whoever Johnny Wilkinson played for. Um so
2: moved... Toby Flood.
0: <laughs> oh, God, don't start with that. Um <laughs> when he moved up to France or whatever, you just want him to win. I remember seeing Gloucester versus Newcastle when he had one of his injuries at King's Home. Ivan clapped him off. So, yeah, just to name a few.
2: There's, um, so Alex, there's a one of the Peterson, man.
0: Oh yeah, KP as well. <laughs> oh. Absolutely love KP.
2: I oh, yeah, one that springs to mind.
0: Before I'll you speak. knew
2: what he was like,
0: K- KP was the reason that I got into cricket. I used to tune in just so, to see the so
2: same, but then I realised what he was like and kind of uh, <laughs> drifted away. I, I think I've told the story before about him calling a kid um, I used to work with uh, an asshole and telling him to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> would <laughs> say he said a, he what, said what? a white to him in a club He a fuck off mate oh, wow. Legend. <laughs> bad boy kp Jesus. was he uh what, was the kid an asshole he's that. probably one of the nicest kids you could ever meet very uh one of them who did have a rich family and kind of didn't realize the the privileges he had but outside of that lovely guy Fair
1: enough. Crazy. So, I uh, personally springs to mind. And I think I probably speak for the world of sport when you say this, but the quintessential pro athlete, Roger Federer. I always find myself rooting for him anytime you see him play.
2: Not sure about TK. He's an Nadal man.
1: Yes, so, that's true. You could you could argue you could argue both Nadal and Federer in fairness anytime they play, particularly now. In, I root sort of against, in... against Nadal. <laughs> but, but
2: since i've realized what jokovic is like i was rooting for nadal against jokovic
1: yeah yeah that that was my standpoint he's probably the only one that i don't find myself rooting for out of those the top the top boys at the moment but yeah i am um, similar to that i am um, there's a few sort of figures in uh the world of cycling that's like so they're equivalent to Roger can't Federer, be a likeable but...
2: cyclist
1: <laughs> there is there is there is um the equivalent <laughs> no, no 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 third no, no, no. on about the the equivalent the equivalent to um Roger Federer in the world of cycling until he retired uh, uh 2 years ago or a year ago was a guy called Fabian Cancellara um and he was it,
2: it was a bit <laughs> I'm going to stop it, you bit... there because that's not a guy we'll all, all always root for
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'd root for him if you saw him but he beat Bradley Wiggins at um, in at the World Tire Trial, Trial Trials Championships, and I found myself at the time, particularly with the cloud that was over uh, Team Sky or any of the English cyclists, any of the English riders at the time. I found myself rooting for him and wanting him to more in the fight in the dying minutes of his uh, effort of the TT over Bradley
2: Wiggins. I've seen Santi cazola and Fernando Torres be put into this bracket as people you can. Help, but to root for. I, I saw people trying to squeeze David Silver into that bracket, but I wasn't having it. I could get behind Torres, um, particularly in in the no, end. Man, um, he is a handsome man. No, that weird phase where people kept. Saying that about um, Jesus Navas? You got those eyes, didn't he? Alex was, I think, one of the main ones there.
3: There's he did
1: have. He did have dreamy eyes. Playing great, <laughs> is a left or right? But
2: was he? Is he playing left,
1: right back, back or right back, back
3: for Sevilla? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Any more for any more? Uh, Kaká was one for me, who uh, who I've met. You have, and didn't get a picture, which is criminal.
0: I know. Yeah. He didn't, it didn't seem like he spoke much English,
1: and it was in, in the departure out. lounge
0: of Orlando Airport, and it was just kind of awkward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, what about uh, Ronaldinho? Yeah. yeah, rooting for him in that prison yard, Threw my brother in the pen. <laughs> especially <laughs> after, especially especially after Chelsea
1: robbed Barcelona that one game when Carvalho held him, held the keeper back.
0: Yeah.
1: Robbed
2: him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Any Attempted for you, TK
2: Nishikori? I uh,
3: always, I um, always back my man Andy Roddick. He kept losing. <laughs> I, kept, I kept hoping one day you'd beat Federer and he never never did in the slams, but I like that he kept That's losing, and he kept coming back. What a hero.
2: Alex That's strikes true. me as a Vabrinka man. No. Oh, you shot me. Nah. Are you no, in the man? No. What about my man oh, Joe Wilfred Interesting. Songer? Never been a Songer man. Never.
3: That's
2: a damn shame, that. i I've I've, uh feel like a round itch.
3: You are just the worst, aren't you? <laughs> hey, look, if I have to take a,
2: a, a big hitter, I'll take a round over a uh, songer.
3: That's not what it's about, mate.
2: I'm just telling you. Seems a nicer guy as well. <laughs> What,
1: would you say? Would you say? <laughs> would you say? Uh, would you say an obvious one is um, Hussein Bolt because I'm pretty sure we were all egging him onto the break the records and. Uh, is probably uh, after yeah. him huh? <laughs> Byron probably
3: wanted Gatlin to win. No, <laughs> not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we
2: go. Tk. Um. Nick Kyrgios or Sotirios Kyriakos? <laughs> I,
3: might, I might even rather have, uh, Nick Kyrgios as centre-back, to be honest.
1: You're rooting for Nick Kyrgios to be just the permanent bad boy that gets away with it in the world of tennis. That's what you're rooting for.
3: He's the real hero there. He's exposing yeah. Djokovic.
1: It's a travesty, though, with him because he... the the world of tennis was crying out for a bad boy and everybody says, oh, like we miss, you know, what the sport used to be with a lot more lip going on. And then you get one who is maybe a bit much and he's slandered.
3: Winning some games probably wouldn't go and miss.
2: That's true.
3: That'll probably be the one.
2: Well, I think we've just found our latest rustler because I've just muted Jack. Yeah, Alex has continued. (laughs) Interesting.
0: The Russell Gate I told you guys. I told no, Jack, you, earlier it, was you, <laughs> I told you. I, earlier
2: it was you, Jack, because I muted you and instantly it stopped.
0: Yes, yeah, that's because I was adjusting position.
2: All it means is uh, we've got two wrestlers in... <laughs> <laughs> on uh, last Thursday. You, you did try and pin it on TK. We shouldn't uh, <laughs> go miss, as we saw in the movie Madness episode. Hey, anyone
0: can get it. No one's safe. <laughs>
2: Adrian Broner style. But there we go. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Spitballing Pod. I, I will tell you, I've taken some offence for uh, the accusation that I was just building a uh, FIFA style team as my By the time side.
0: it's been gone, mate. So.
2: Because uh, football manager, I do actually play five at the back. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> five, two, yeah. one, two, very attacking. My left back getting a, 20 goals. West Ham Craig Dawson. Crikey me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's uh, just about does it. So thanks again for listening. As I said, Friday, Mad Max against Bad Boys 2. See you then. Goodbye.